that video pretty much says it all right there. In fact, as I was watching it, I thought, what more can I really say? Um, except that Sunday is here, and we're here celebrating because Sunday's here. It's always interesting to, uh, to stand on this particular day and see all of you uh, gathered here because um, millions right now around the globe are, are celebrating this, this weekend um, because it is the most sacred of weekends in um, Christian history. In fact, I think once history comes to its conclusion, I think we'll see that it was the most important weekend in human history. Uh, that is the day of Jesus' death and his resurrection. I don't think you can slam together two more different and contrasting days. Uh, a day of uh, despair on Friday and a day of joy on Sunday. Um, a day of darkness and a day of light, a day of death and a day of, of life. And that's what we come to celebrate this morning. So he is risen. My name is Dan Deckard, and I'm one of the pastors here at Parkway Community Church. And uh, I want to tell you that we have been praying as a pastoral staff, and we have been praying as a congregation for this day. Because this is one of the few days on the calendar that we get the extended Christian family all here. And I know there are some here who, um, who come to worship frequently every week, and you're a regular part of our family. There are some who come more infrequently. There are some who come once, twice a year, and then there are probably a few of you who are drug here by your family. Regardless of the reason, we just want to say that we're glad you're here because we don't believe that there, is, there are accidents and that you're here for a reason. And our hope is that you will stop and recognize that this morning serves as an opportunity for you to hear something and not just hear something but connect to something. Because what we have prayed for more than anything else is that you would connect to God as a result of taking time out of your schedule to come and celebrate Easter with us, to connect to God. That's one of those words we use in, in modern English, to connect, to talk about a, a level of relating that goes deeper than just a casual conversation or a chat. To really connect with someone means that you connect heart to heart. Um, in a way that is, in my experience, in the experience of most that I know, in a way that is satisfying, in a way that is filling, edifying, and encouraging. That's what happens when you connect with somebody. I have been on family outings where we have had lots of, um, lots of family, lots of cousins around, lots of activities, but I left that event hollow because I didn't connect to somebody. But to genuinely connect means that you are heart to heart and there is a sense of satisfaction and filling that takes place when you genuinely connect. There's one time in particular that comes to my mind when I was surprised by one of the most unexpected connections and it was with, of all people, my mother-in-law. Now I know that for some of you the idea of connecting with your mother-in-law is about as impossible as having the sun set in the east. Um, and for some of you, the word mother-in-law is darn near a swear word for you. I happen to be one of the few exceptions that has an amazing mother-in-law who loves God and loves Christ. And a short time ago, I broke a tooth. And one of the most people that go to Parkway um, have been here for a while know that the one vocation I probably dislike the most is the dentist. Ironically, I married the daughter of a dentist. Anyway, I broke a tooth, so I scheduled a flight up to Washington um, to see my father-in-law to get my tooth fixed. It's just something I didn't want to do. 
I, I got there, he fixed my teeth, and while we were there, I went out to lunch by myself with my mother-in-law. Never done that before in my life, and haven't done it since. And uh, there we were. <laughs> that didn't quite come out how I intended it. I would gladly go out with my mother-in-law, but it's, it was the only time I'd been just with her, and we went to a little Chinese place, I think called a Happy Garden or Happy Something, and, um, and we just talked, and they had been going through a difficult time, and, um, and so we just talked over the Chinese food, and, and, um, and in particular, we talked about how God was connecting to us through the Psalms, which is a book in the Bible, it's a collection of hymns and so forth, and and there was just a, a strong sense of, of, of connection, like I knew where her heart was with the Lord, she knew where my heart was with the Lord, and for that moment, we just connected in a way that felt fulfilling and satisfying, so much so that when I decided, to, when I had to leave to get back to my, um, get back here, um, I got in my little rental car, I think it was a Kia, and I headed back to SeaTac Airport, and I was so fulfilled by connecting with my mother-in-law about the things of God that I was just overwhelmed with a sense of gratitude. I got in the Kia and I turned on some worship music as loud as I could on a really cool Kia sound system, you know. <laughs> and I lost thought of everything, including the speed limit sign. Um, there was one speed coming down from Squim and then all of a sudden it was a speed zone that went down by like 20 miles an hour. Well, I didn't even notice those signs because I was overwhelmed by a sense of gratitude until I looked in my rearview mirror and behind me I saw the flashing lights of the Washington State Troopers. And then, sure enough, they pulled me over. I looked down. I'm like, well, well I'm going to, I think it was 18, 19 miles over the speed limit. And the guy comes up to the window and he says what he, they always say, and I don't understand why they say it, but he says, do you know how fast you're going? Like, I want to be able to say no, but I'm pretty sure you're going to tell me. Um, well, he, said, he told me how fast I was going, and, and, um, and, I, and I said to him, listen, buddy, I, I just came from my mother-in-law's house. <laughs> and you could tell he shook his head, his sympathy, and he says, get out of here. <laughs> now, I would love to tell you, that that last part was true, <laughs> but it wasn't. I told him how fast I was going. He wrote me a ticket, and, um, and you know what? This is part of the point of it, is that even the expensive ticket didn't dampen my sense of gratitude because of the connection that I made. Now, for those of you who have a hard time with the idea of a pastor getting a ticket, let me just say it was wrong. It was wrong to speed, and I paid for it. I paid for it dearly. The point of it is, to simply say that there's a kind of connection that satisfies the human soul, that all of the things in life, even flaws and mistakes, kind of fade into the periphery. And that's so much more true of a connection with God. That part of the burden of me this morning and why I ask people, will you pray for me? Because I want those of you who have never connected with God to connect with him. And to know that I'm not peddling a truth that I myself haven't partaken of. But I know in my heart and soul, and many in this room can attest to the fact that there is a connection that is more real than human connections. In fact, Easter, Good Friday and Easter, are, are all about God connecting with us. Um, a genuine, life-changing uh, connection. That, of course, implies that that connection with God has been lost and damaged, and, and I believe that's the case, um, which is why people 
feel like maybe there is no God because there's no sense of connection. And so they, they fall into a kind of an atheism or agnosticism because they, they don't believe he exists because they haven't connected with him. And oftentimes what we try to do then is, is uh, replace him with other things, whether that be a career or possessions or, or a relationship with a husband or a wife because we're trying to fill something that only he can fill, that one connection that's true. And I believe that we in our, our damaged selves have lost that connection. Um, most of us have cell phones, so we're familiar with cell towers. It's as if the cell tower of the human heart has been damaged and we can no longer connect. And that's the truth. But that's the marvel and the wonder of, of Good Friday and Easter because those are God's way of connecting and reconnecting to us. The single verse that I think points that out, and this is what we were made for, to connect with God, is, is John 17, verse 3. This is in the middle of, or at the beginning of, um, the longest prayer of Jesus found anywhere in the New Testament. And in his prayer, he talks about why he came. And he says this, he says, this is eternal life. In other words, this is not only life in its eternal duration, but this is what it means to live. He says, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So I've got to kind of back up and just see that this verse talks about connection, that the essence of life is relational. It's connection, in particular, that they may know or connect to you the only true God, which implies that there are untrue gods, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. You have sent to make the connection. So that is the essence of life, is a relationship connection with God who made you, who created you, who loves you. And that is the connection that changes life. And Jesus connected us or offered the connection through two different ways. One, he offered connection by way of mercy. Um, in any relationship, if there is an offense, then there must be an owning up to it and a forgiveness offered. If, if I change the oil on my car and I'm looking around because my hands are full of oil and I find a rag only to find out after I've wiped the oil off on the rag that it was a doily that my great-grandmother had given to my wife, well, then I'm in trouble. And there's no connection between me and my wife until we deal with this issue or perhaps a, a bit more uh, painful, uh, a close friend betrays or lies to you. There's no connection until there is an owning up to it and until there's a forgiveness that's offered. And so part of the connection that's been broken is because of offense. And that has to be remedied. It has to be owned up to, but it must also be forgiven. And I think it's interesting on a mere human level that any time we forgive each other, there's always a cost involved. Always. So John Barry, our worship pastor, we have a similar hairstyle. Um, if John Barry gets mad at me and decides he's going to drive his little Kia with a great sound system into my Bronco with an equally great or not so great sound system because he doesn't like me, well then, we have an issue. Now, John can own up to and say, hey, I'm sorry, I was mad at you, I backed into your car on purpose, and so I, I will take care of the damage. In which case, he pays the price for his offense. Now, I could, on the other hand, say, John, it's no big deal, listen, I know you're upset, and so don't worry about the damage. 
in which case I've forgiven him, but then I suck up the cost. I either drive around with a car with a dent in it, or I pay for it myself to get it fixed. And that's the case all the way across the board is whenever we forgive, there's always cost involved. If I lose my temper and I say mean things to my children because they're acting up, well, they may forgive me for what I said, but that means that they sucked up the pain of my words. Says in our human relationships, we simply know that forgiveness always has a cost to it. And Good Friday is essentially about God saying, listen, I will suck up the cost of your forgiveness myself because it has to be dealt with. And that's Good Friday, and that's what the Reverend Stockridge was speaking of, is that at his own expense, at the expense of the life of his son, he paid the cost for forgiveness. He paid it, not us. Of course, the alternative is that we don't allow him to pay it, and, and we pay it ourselves. And the debt that we owe is bigger than the national debt, times infinity, and it just won't happen. But that's the heart of God, the heart of God that I will pay the cost of forgiveness for them and for you. And that's the heart of the God of the Bible, a God of mercy. So Jesus came on Good Friday to connect us to the love of God's mercy, to the mercy of God's love. But then there's Easter Sunday, which isn't so much about the forgiveness as much about connecting us to his life and to unleash grace in our lives. Grace is one of those things that, 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 that is, uh, we give gratuities at, at, at restaurants, which means you don't have to, but you do anyway. Sometimes we shouldn't, but God was gratuitous. Didn't just pay for forgiveness, but then he went on to be gratuitous. And that comes to us by way of resurrection, which, which is like a fountain of all good things because on the one hand, he's raised, which means that he is alive and he's on high and he's reigning and he'll come back again. And that for my four-year-old son, by the way, is the best, five-year-old son is the best news. We, I don't know if it's a mistake or not, but we took him through the Stations of the Cross on Friday and he got in here and he's never seen a video with Jesus dying. And I don't know why, but God has connected my five-year-old son to Jesus in a very unique way. And when he saw Jesus die on the screens behind me, he um, convulsively cried for three hours because he couldn't believe that Jesus died. In fact, he said, I'm going to miss him. Yesterday, on the sports court in my backyard, he looked at me, and we tried to tell him, listen, he's alive. He's alive. He's alive. He's, no, I'm going to miss him. That's what he said. You know, he's alive. Well, yesterday in the sports court, he goes, Dad, so is Jesus really alive? And I said, he's absolutely really alive. Because to him, Jesus is the object of his love, even at five years old. So in one sense, he's alive, and the object of our, li- uh, our love is alive. Uh, in another sense, his resurrection brings us hope that we, even though we face death at some point, that death will not sound the final end to our lives, but we will rise again because he has risen. But the other thing is that his resurrection gives us life now. And that's the, the, the John 17, 3. This is eternal life that they may know you, the true God. And Jesus, whom you have sent. That one of the things that the resurrection does is it, it reaches into the hearts of those who have come to trust it and it 
fixes the fallen cell tower of the, the soul. So you can actually connect to him in a very real, vital, renewing, life-transforming way. That it's real. As I said at the beginning, more real than human relationships, more satisfying, more fulfilling. It brings joy when there's depression. It brings strength when there's weakness. That connection. And that's one of the things that his resurrection does is it reestablishes the connection today, and that's what life is. And I wonder how many people live kind of a hollow life trying to connect to things that ultimately don't satisfy. And God says, listen, I've done it all. I've paid the cost of your forgiveness. I didn't make you. And I offer you life to know me. I mean, even the the pictures and metaphors of the Bible of God's union with his people are so intimate um, that by way of the resurrection, we are sons and daughters of our Father. That's connection. Another one is a bride related to the bridegroom. That's connection. Another way is to speak of God's people being his temple or his dwelling where he makes himself a home. That's connection. And that, my friends, is offered now. And that's why it's such good news, not just for the future, but it's good news now. Because that's the heart of God. And he has accomplished on this weekend a way of connection, a way of connecting to him. The heart of God that reached down and paid for the debt of forgiveness and offers us his own life. And that's Easter And that's the way to connect, and that's what life's all about, and that's what eternal life is all about. Now, you might say, well, how how do I connect, Dan? How do I connect to God? I hear what you're saying. How do I connect? How do I experience this? The simple answer, but deep answer, is to say yes to faith. Don't misunderstand me. The yes to faith creates a revolution in the soul. Because what a yes to faith, the trust that that's true, requires of us is to lay down our own justifications for why we do what we do, to acknowledge humbly that I can't absolve myself of my own sin against God, to acknowledge that I can't save myself, I can't fix myself, but to acknowledge that he can. And in Christ, he will and does. So it's a, it's a very humbling thing to recognize that I can't, but he did. But that is the essence of faith, a very humble and pride-crushing experience to say yes to faith. Now, you might ask me, so Dan, does that mean that I have to go to church to experience this connection? And I'd say no. But if there is a genuine connection, I guarantee you, you will want to go to church. Because you want to be with people that connect with him. You might say, Dan, do I have to give up my vices to experience this connection? To which I'd say No. But once you experience the connection, you'll taste something far more pleasurable than your little tiny vices, and you'll want to give them up. 
You'll say, Dan, do I have to be baptized to get this connection? And the answer would be no. But once you taste that God is good, you'll want to identify in baptism with the one who gave his life for you and raised to bring you this connection with the Lord. The connection comes first, and then God begins the work of transforming the heart. But that's what it means to live. And that's the heart of God. And that's why the Bible is so filled with these spontaneous explosions of worship, like praise the Lord, Psalm 150. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. And praise him for his excellent greatness. Or give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Because that's the kind of God we have. So my, my prayer for you this morning, if you happen to be visiting and you don't know this connection, I just plead with you. Um, to consider yes to faith, to laying down whatever pride you may have, because it is the best thing in life. It is life itself. Father, I just thank you for your goodness and for your mercy. Thank you for coming and bearing the cost of our forgiveness. Thank you that you are a God who is rich in kindness, uh, rich in grace, and rich in mercy, and that you have provided everything we need and that you simply ask of us a surrendered yes. And that you do the work. And we just give you praise. Thank you for Jesus' death. But thank you for his resurrection that he is alive. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to continue with baptisms because God has made connections with the people that are going to testify to that reality. And so this morning, when you're watching these baptisms, it, it is when the person goes down into the water, it is like they are going and being buried with Christ. And when they come up out of the water, they're being raised with Christ. So what Dan talked about, the death of Christ covered in mercy our sin, and the resurrection of Christ brings new life and power. And that's what they're going to be testifying to this morning that they have made a connection with God and that they are alive in Christ by faith. And so this morning, I'm going to have Nicole Martinez and Earl Brooks come down. And as they come down, I just want to say that I have to believe that Earl is completely excited um, to see your child come full circle and have this opportunity. So, Nicole, I'll let you tell people. Dear Parkway Church, as far back as I can remember, I have felt that something was missing in my heart, a big hole that I was unable to fill. Coming clean with an addiction that had taken over my life, one, one that had left me mentally and spiritually broken inside, I felt hopeless and more lost than ever. After having a long conversation with my father one night, I knew the man standing before me with love, encouragement, and strength held something special within him, a true sense of peace that I longed for in my life. I asked to join my father that Sunday at church, and of course he said yes with open arms. Hearing Pastor Dan speak that Sunday touched my soul. I felt as though Jesus was talking through him right to me. So moved by the love Jesus had for me, I went home that night, got on my knees, and prayed to Jesus to forgive me for all my sins and asked him to be my Lord and Savior. His love grows within me every day. He loves me unconditionally, teaching me to live a life for Christ. I can't tell you how Jesus has changed my life. Words just can't describe the joy he fills me with every day. I've never felt so complete with him by my side. I give my life wholeheartedly to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
with the hope that one day he'll shine as bright through me as he has my father. Nicole, it's a privilege for me to be able to baptize my daughter today in front of our family and to our church family. Jesus told us that when he went to the cross that he would make all things anew. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I have. In your confession of faith, I'd like to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I think Christian parents wonder, will my kids ever get it? And um, sometimes you have to take a hiatus and let the mercy of God come to its fullness in your rebellion, and then your eyes are opened, and that's just a testimony to that. And a quiet love for the Lord that's consistent and a a continual love for your child, and uh, just awesome. So right now we're going to have Julia Kenny and her father Steve Kenny come down to baptize her. And Jalea has been part of our church since she was a wee high. Um, I've known Jalea for a long time and love their family dearly and just excited for you. Oh, this makes me nervous. Okay. Uh, I was six when I was first baptized, and when I reached sixth grade, I was going to a new school with no friends. I was molding myself to be like the students in my class to get along with them and make friends. I got into the wrong group and started to act like the world. When I went to middle school again with a new school with no friends, there I also fell into the wrong crowd, except for my best friend, Brittany Western. Over the last year, we have helped each other grow closer to God, and we have enjoyed winter camps with both of our churches. At Hume Lake Winter Camp with Parkway, we both decided to walk with Jesus Christ. This past winter, I went to Sky Mountain with Brittany's church, The Rock Church. There I rededicated myself to Jesus Christ, all of those who have helped me grow, all of this has helped me grow closer to God, but it has also helped me understand why He died on the cross for our sins. I would like to be baptized again to recommit my life to the Lord, and I'm asking for your prayers and support in my walk with God. It's a it's a joy that you have just to watch your children grow up in general, um, but there's a there's a special kind of joy that you get to watch them grow up in the Lord. This one's ready to take the next step. Um, she trusts Christ for her salvation, and that is why it uh, gives me great joy to uh, baptize my daughter and uh, my sister in Christ. Baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right now we're going to have another family in our church that all of you will know well. Um, Amanda Barthemus is going to come down and be baptized by her mom, Debbie. And um, come on down. Um, Debbie, as you know, has been a a long-term faithful um, Sunday school teacher. And Amanda's been around since, again, as long as I can remember. So it is really good to have you here. 
I've been going to church ever since I was a little girl. I never really knew what it was like to really love God until I went to Winter Hume this past year. The preacher, Adam, was doing a sermon on the last night of Hume where he mixed all the soda together into a bucket and it made this really gross color. He told us that it represented us and our sin and that's what God sees when he looks at us. Then he took pure water and said it represented Jesus. He poured the water into the soda mixture until it turned into pure water. He told us that after we are saved, God doesn't see all that sin. He sees Jesus and his pureness. Jesus really used that message to speak to me, and I voted my life to Christ that night and decided I wanted to be baptized as soon as possible. Amanda, this is a marvelous day for me, and my heart is rejoicing. When you were born, God gave Dad and me an amazing gift, a gift that we dedicated back to him, vowing to train you up and shepherd your heart to know and love our awesome Father God and precious Savior Jesus. And now here you are, speaking on your own, publicly declaring your heart's desire to know and love and follow Jesus. It has been my prayer since you were born that you would love the Lord our God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I'm just so blessed to have this opportunity to baptize you. Thank you for sharing your heart with us. Thank you for being able to share in this day. I know it's really scary for both of us, and I just, <laughs> but I am grateful to have this opportunity. I love you with all of my heart, and as much as I love you, God loves you even more with a love that's beyond human comprehension and beyond human limitations. And I'm human. I have limitations, and someday I may fail you, I may disappoint you, but our Savior will never disappoint you. He's with you in everything. He loves you. He's given you everything, including his life. He is worthy of all of our love, obedience, adoration, and praise. And it is with great joy and a great privilege that I baptize you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have one, one more who wants to be baptized, and that's Deanna Bergenson. And... Um, and I'll let you say what you have to say. I was baptized as an infant. My parents provided a good foundation for me during my youth to love Christ. In my early 20s, I walked far away from God and all of the values that my parents and church had instilled in me. For years, I was incredibly self-centered and motivated for all of the wrong reasons. I'm not proud of the way I conducted myself. Through the grace of God and his never-ending love and patience for me, he waited for me to ask for forgiveness, all the while bestowing many blessings on me that I clearly didn't deserve. He began to change my life a couple of years ago by using my husband, Art, my family, my work, Parkway Church, old friends and new friends, and life circumstances. I'm so grateful to be given another chance. I stand here today as an affirmation of my love for Christ and to commit myself to walk with him for the rest of my life. 
hard to talk after that. I have um, known you guys just uh, probably a little over a year now. Um, and I've just watched her and Art grow in some amazing ways. And the Lord has put his hand on you guys. And I've seen your hearts grow. And I've seen your love grow. Um, and it is a privilege to be your brother in Christ. Um, anybody can relate to this. None of us have not broken the Lord's heart in many, many ways. And yet he bestows blessing. And so what a great testimony that he doesn't give up. And so, Diana, it's my privilege to baptize you. And in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have an amazing God who wants so desperately and has spent so much to make connection with us. Not a frivolous connection, not a superficial connection, but a deep-seated connection that turns you from an onlooker into a child, turns you from someone who looks with suspicion to someone who gazes with delight. And that's our God. And that happens through faith in Christ. And so I am just, I guess, filled with joy that we would have such a God that looks upon us, puts up with us, seeks us out, searches us out, and makes connection and um, loves us that much. There's no one like that in all the world. Um, so would you bow your head with me? Father, we just want to take this moment to just say thank you. What other words could we say, Father, but thank you? That though we've rebelled, though you, we have turned our back, though we have looked cynically on you, though when you called to us, we turned a deaf ear, though when things happened to us that were not Father, you never hurt us. You only do good. You are the Father of lights who bestows blessing all the time. And I just pray, Father, that you would open our eyes, even us who believe that you would open our eyes ever fuller to who you are. Father, we want a deeper connection. We want a fuller connection. We can't wait to see you. We love you so much. Teach us to love you more. Thank you for loving us beyond what we can ever tell. In Jesus' name, amen.